Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for the Advocacy and Pharmacy podcast. This podcast, hosted by ASHP's Government Relations Division, provides an update on what ASHP is currently involved in on the Hill at the state level, our upcoming advocacy opportunities, PAC fundraisers, and strategies to increase member involvement with the representatives. My name is Jillian Schulte-Wall, and I will be your host today for ASHP Advocacy and Pharmacy podcast. With me today is Doug Kuhn, ASHP's Director of Federal Legislative Affairs and our Chief Lobbyist. Thanks for joining us today, Doug. Let's get started talking about today's topic, the USPS policy changes that are impacting mail-order medication delivery. Before we jump right into questions for you, Doug, I'm going to take a quick minute to provide a little thumbnail sketch of how this issue arose. The mail-order problem is really kind of collateral damage of policy changes that have absolutely nothing to do with healthcare or medication delivery. So the way this all came about is the new Postmaster General, Louis Joy, came in and decided that he wanted to kind of update some policies. He wanted to increase efficiencies and reduce some costs. So he made some changes on routes, and he made changes around how many post office workers can be out and about, and they moved some mail sorting machines out of some of the offices. So it slowed down mail delivery in certain parts of the country. And you all have undoubtedly heard that this is a voting issue, since mail-in voting is going to play a big role in this year's election. But what I think a lot of people in the United States haven't heard about is how this is, you know, collaterally slowing down things like mail order, which is really important. So it's a weird situation because in under normal circumstances, from an advocacy perspective, there are a couple things that ASHP would look to do right away. One is to talk to Congress. The other is to talk to the agency. But this is all really fast moving. So we're in a situation now where the Postmaster General has already been called to the Hill to explain why all this came about. And he has said that he is going to, or he's not going to increase, or he's not going to implement any new policy changes, excuse me, but he is going to you know, keep the ones that have already been made in effect. Um, So we're at a place where some of these policy changes that have already taken place are going to keep going. And so you're still going to get some of those delays in mail or delivery. And then at the congressional level, the House of Representatives has passed a bill that would roll back all of the changes and also add money to the USPS postal service coffers. But um, at the same time, this bill hasn't advanced to the Senate, which Doug will talk about more in a minute. And then on top of all of this, the Postmaster General is under review. All these actions are under review by the Inspector General for the Postal Service. And the Inspector General is kind of the watchdog for the federal agency. So she has opened kind of an inquiry into how all these policy changes came about um, and why this has happened. So that's sort of the lay of the land where we are now. So in terms of advocacy next steps, we have a couple of different things. One is a grassroots letter, your senators, to talk through with them what you're seeing with mail order delays. The other is a letter directly to the inspector general who's doing this review of the the policy changes to explain to her about the medication delivery delays and what they mean for patients. And then the third is this podcast to kind of talk members through this sort of confusing issue and kind of uh, demystify why some of this has happened. Okay. So, Doug, as our resident expert on everything congressional, do you think Congress is really aware of the medication delivery element of the Postal Service changes? Yeah, it's, that's kind of a tricky question. So the answer generally is yes, but it also depends on who you speak to. So 
It is. It has become a fairly bipartisan issue, as you mentioned before. You know, with some of the politics involved, particularly on the Republican side, where the administration and some members of Congress believe that uh, you know there might be rampant mail fraud if they were to basically you know, use something such as the USPS for voting. So they they take some steps. You know, some some folks think intentionally to kind of um, deter the the postal service from from functioning as efficiently as, as they could. And so on the Democratic side, uh, yes, they're, they're, they're fully aware that there has been an issue, you know, with, with the mail delays, and they are fully aware that there could be potential delays in medication. But again, it, it just kind of depends on who you speak to. You know, off the record, I know a few Republican offices that will tell you that there is no issue with the USPS uh, as a whole, whereas if you speak to some folks on the Democratic side, they'll say exactly the opposite. But but at the end of the day, they, they do realize that there have been some, you know, clamoring about the fact that some folks have not received a lot of their, you know, delivery medication. So that's something they're aware of and, and it's something that they're, they're going to address. But they're kind of hand-strung in, in regards to what they can do politically. You know, as, as an example, I, I, I know there's a statistic that says that roughly only about 5% of prescriptions are, are actually mailed. But the problem with that stat is that close to 50% of those prescriptions that are mailed uh, come through the USPS. So as you can see, you're looking at close to about a million prescriptions per year that are affected. And so, again, Congress is aware of that fact. Whether or not they act on it probably is determined based on their, their political affiliation. Yeah. And so what do you think realistically is the chance the Senate takes up the House USPS legislation? Uh, the, the, the Senate is not going to take that out. Uh, you know, the, the leader has already indicated that that is something that's basically dead on arrival. There, there are some things that I think that they might do as a compromise. As you may know, there is a upcoming economic stimulus package uh, through COVID-19 that has been in the works for a while. Uh, I could see a scenario where they either incorporate that into the bill where they kind of, you know, split the baby, so to speak, or they basically address some of the issues in regards to funding and, and the way the, the, the puzzle system works as a compromise to both parties. But in regards to taking up the actual House bill, that is, that is something that's definitely not going to happen. Yeah. And so, you know, it seems like the medication delivery would be kind of fairly apolitical. Um, and you think, do you think it's like it hit critical mass? So, for instance, for VA, those patients really don't have many options, particularly for their maintenance meds other than USPS. And the other options, like in-person pharmacy, can cost them a lot of money if there isn't a VA retail pharmacy. And even for a, a VA network pharmacy nearby, there's an additional copay. So, say that kind of all of that noise made it up to the, the Senate. Do you think that might sway some senators who might otherwise be disinclined to intervene based on some of the political considerations? Definitely. As, as we mentioned before, that you know, they're, they're certainly cognizant of, of you know, what their constituent base is saying. Um, so whether that be through emails or, or, or town halls or, or letters or phone calls, that they're, they're definitely uh, aware of the fact that there's a lot of folks that are concerned they're not getting their medication and, you know, even their mail for that matter. So it's one of those things where they might not publicly speak out per se. You might not see them on the news taking a stance one way or another, but I can assure you just based on our conversations with folks on the Hill, you know, both in the House and the Senate side, that's something that, that they will fully address if need be, especially if, if there's a lot more, you know, noise and clamor about that in, in the upcoming weeks. Yeah, so you kind of mentioned that you didn't think there was any chance they were going to take up the the House bill. Do you think there's any chance of like a standalone bill for medication delivery, or would it just be kind of wrapped into the next COVID package when and if that comes? 
I would highly doubt the fact that you would, you would see a standalone just, just because we're just looking at a really limited number of days. Um, you know, it's, it's early September right now. Congress is, is basically still in recess technically for another four or five days. They come back. Again, they have to address the COVID issue. They have to address a few Medicaid extender issues. They also have to address the appropriations issues. So I see a potential opportunity, uh, if not in the COVID package, perhaps in, the, in a continuing resolution uh, for, for something very, very minor. But I just don't think that they have enough days on the calendar to introduce something as a standalone and uh, come to a floor vote on that. Yeah, so it sounds like it's going to be really hard to get a full USPS fix on this issue in the near term. So one of the things that I mentioned earlier that we're doing is providing these template letters so members can tell senators directly what these mail-order delays have meant for them, either for their their personal medications or, in some cases, for institutional deliveries as well. Do you think this kind of grassroots strategy might help move the needle at all? I do. As I mentioned before, you know, that's that's one of the things that they're, they're really looking to see is, is to have, the, you know, their constituents call in and let them know that it's an issue, let them know that it's a concern. So, you know, from perspective of what we could do at ASHP, if we're able to mobilize that, that sort of effort, I believe it, it will it will definitely resonate, um, you know, whether or not it be in the form of an email, a phone call, even a letter. So I, I think it's one of those things where if you uh, allow yourself and allow your voice to be heard, those things are calculated. Uh, you know, when you call into a House or Senate office, every single time you ad- address a particular issue, it's logged. And, you know, they, they, they keep a tab on that. So it's one of those things where regardless of the form of communication, if you let them know that this is a concern, over time, as those concerns begin to accumulate, that is something that they will, they will definitely uh, recognize and they will definitely uh, at some point have to address. Yeah. So I think that's really helpful for members to know so that, you know, if they're taking the time to send these letters, they do get read. They, you know, they are something that the Hill offices do pay attention to. So another part of the campaign, the grassroots campaign, is sort of this federal strategy where we're sending a letter to the USPS Inspector General highlighting the medication delivery issue. So I guess the question there is, does Congress get any pressure directly from the Inspector General to act ever, or is that something that, in your experience, mainly really applies pressure just to the agency itself? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to say. I, I wouldn't really say that they, they get much pressure from, from the Inspector General. And of course, you know, it depends on whether or not you're Republican or Democrat as to whether or not that, that, that pressure is actually valid. So I think it's one of those things where they don't necessarily, you know, get pressure from, from the, the Inspector General itself. But but I, I think more in terms of like, you know, if the agencies are, are, are all clamoring for a particular result, then, then they might pay a little bit of attention to that on political level, but it, it certainly doesn't come from one particular individual. It has to be a, a collection of agencies or a collection of folks within those agencies that, that, that kind of bring that need to attention. Yeah, I think that's that's really helpful. It, it's hard to know sometimes when you're, even for us, putting together these advocacy strategies, it's hard to know exactly how it's going to kind of go down with every every policymaker that is seeing it in action. So kind of hearing your, your take on that is really helpful. One of the things I was curious about, because I don't spend much time on the Hill, is when you go into the Hill offices to talk to them about something like this that is a really politically charged issue, but the issue you're kind of raising is very apolitical in and of itself, does that make it harder to have that conversation with members because it's so politically charged, or is it actually easier to go in with this sort of apolitical, related, but not like actually on point issue to talk to them about? 
again, you know, it it, it, it depends on the situation, but, but for the most part, you know, whether you're going in to speak to a Republican or a Democrat, they already know, you know, what their stance is going to be. And 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 more than likely, they've done their homework before meeting with you, so they understand what your stance is going to be. So while they're going to be receptive to that message, at the end of the day, it's one of those things where, you know, they can only say what, what, what they're permitted to say based not on only on their individual boss's, uh, you know, stance, but also the political party stance as well. And so in regards to whether or not that's difficult or not, I, I, I would say in a way it, it it makes it a little easier because there are no there are no ex- expectations in a sense that you know everybody pr- pretty much knows where where they stand in regards to that particular issue, and so you can present them a counter argument or you can present them uh, an argument in, in support of where they stand. But for the most part, I, I think everybody has has already you know. Uh, drawing their line in the sand uh, to, to, to know exactly, you know, where they're going to go with this particular issue. So in that sense, I think there becomes, you know, less pressure uh, to speak to those things. That's really, that's very interesting. I, I think for people that don't spend time on the Hill, uh, it's really kind of fascinating to hear about how these discussions actually go down in person and what it's really like to have these, these conversations with health staff. So while it sounds like there's really no telling right now how these USPS issues are going to be resolved, um, we're going to continue checking in with members about mail order delays, and ASHP will continue to tailor our advocacy strategies to really meet the moment. Doug, thanks so much for joining us here to talk about all things advocacy. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.